Okay, here we go. Welcome to Free Association. Uh, it's Wednesday the 13th of July, believe it or not. Let me get some volume going, 52%. That should be all right. Uh, strong signal this time. So I was just trying to live stream on YouTube and I can't get a strong enough signal to live stream. Plus it's too dark in here really but uh, I'll do a, a live stream on YouTube later on or a live stream on Rumble later on or whatever depends how I feel I've got to take the the laptop to a, a spot where I can get public Wi-Fi to be able to do that because the Wi-Fi in here is, is terrible the signal I'm using a hotspot on my phone and it is just it's not good enough for for live streaming it's way too many dropped frames so i'll do that a bit later on so for the minute i want to catch up on the tory leadership election uh by seeing what's happening via bit well via the bbc let's have a look at the bbc first And the BBC, in theory, is a neutral news organisation, but obviously it isn't neutral at all. And it looks like the headline is, uh, is Sri Lanka. President flees country on military jet. And protesters storm Sri Lanka PM's office as crowds tear gassed. So there's all sorts of things breaking loose in Sri Lanka. I wanted to focus primarily on the, the Tory leadership battle. So let's have a look. There's an article here. It's about an hour old, so it's been updated an hour ago, so it should be pretty current. Let's have a look at this. Conservative leader, leadership, leader rivals. Uh, that, isn't, that isn't English to begin with. Conservative leader rivals battle to secure MPs' votes. Should be conservative leadership rivals, really, shouldn't it? Tory leadership hopefuls are battling to secure the support of their colleagues ahead of the first MP's vote in the contest for number 10 later. The eight candidates who have made it into the ballot paper will have to secure at least 30 votes to stay in the race to become Prime Minister. It's the first in a series of secret ballots over the next few days to whittle the field down to a final two. Our voting will start at 1.30. 13.30 with expected res result expected at 5pm BST. Kemi Badenoch, Suella Braverman, Jeremy Hunt, Penny Mordant, Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss and Tom Tugendhat and Nadim Zahawi have secured the required 20 nominations from Tory MPs to make it into the ballot later. Ex-Health Secretary Sajid Javid and Junior Minister Raman 
Chisty dropped out after failing to pick up enough support. I'm, I'm quite surprised Sajid Javed doesn't have enough support. Uh, the 30 volt threshold which has been introduced to quickly narrow the field could see a number of further candidates knocked out. So they needed 20 initially to be considered and then they go on the ballot and they need at least 30. So this is to get a, they're trying to have a quick vote and they're saying that, that the, the leader will be announced at the beginning of September, the 5th of September, I think they said. As, as campaigning continues, Trade Minister, Minister Miss Mordaunt, who currently has the second highest number of Tory MPs backing her, will formally, formally launch her campaign on Wednesday morning. Candidates will also appear at two further hostings events as the race to secure endorsements heats up. It comes as former Chancellor Mr Sunak, who has a stronger backing among Tory MPs so has the strongest backing among Tory MPs so far. Secured support from Cabinet Ministers Dominic Raab and Grant Shapps. Foreign Secretary Ms Truss bagged endorsements from Cabinet Ministers and Johnson loyalists Jacob Rees-Mogg and Nadine Dorries. Well, honestly, if Jacob Rees-Mogg is supporting you, then it means that you're going to take us back to the 1700s. And Nadine Doris is, nah, don't like her at all. Mr Hunt's campaign rejected an accusation from his stories that Mr Sunak's team lent, lent nominations to make sure he got onto the ballot paper. Former, former Foreign Secretary Mr Hunt, who has not had a launch event, said he was quietly confident he would make it through the first round of voting. The campaign so far has laid bare Tory divisions over taxation with a number of candidates attacking the rise in taxes under Mr Sunak's chancellorship. It's just a beauty contest, basically, to see who's the most conservative. So, they're just saying, they're, just, they're, they're all just going to say what people want to hear, ultimately. I think Sunak said that that Britain can't afford to reverse the tax rise as he put in, but uh, he has to defend his position because he's already put in a rise. Anyway, all the contenders are pledging to bring in immediate tax cuts if they win, apart from Mr Sunak who says cuts should wait until inflation goes down. Among those promising to reduce taxes, there are divisions over which taxes should be cut and how quickly. Well, of course they are, because everybody's got a different set of priorities. In an interview with the Daily Telegraph, Mr Sunak said tackling inflation is his, inverted commas, number one economic priority, and claimed former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, an icon on the right of the party, would have backed his approach. But one of Miss Truss's backers, Jacob Rees-Mogg, attacked his record as a at the Treasury telling Sky News the tax increasing Chancellor, in inverted commas, has made decisions of the left rather than on the right. 
and he sought to disparage leave voting Mr Sunak's Brexit credentials, branding him an ostensible Brexiter, in inverted commas, whose department has resisted ending the, in quotes, supremacy of EU law during his tenure. Alright, so that gives, gives you an idea of what's actually going on. Now let's have a look uh, for something on BitChute. So roughly speaking the same thing probably but uh, I'll pick a clip from GB News and see where we go from there so the news and politics section on BitChute She's now 15 to 1. She's got some very interesting people coming out and backing her. Daily Telegraph have written a very positive piece about Kemi. The Times did at the weekend. She's got Seb Coe's come out on side and said he supports her. Um, Michael Gove, I think, as well, right? And a lot of the, the feeling about Kemi Badenoch is that she is a risk worth taking because Labour will find it very, very difficult to criticise or bring her down in an election. Yes, it's so interesting. She's such a, a, a fresh face in this competition. Um, but also, uh, she's a highly intelligent individual. Yeah. And I noticed listening to her uh, leadership launch yesterday, she was a bit nervous when it came to the main speech. Her, her pitch wasn't potentially the most polished. But when it came to the questions and answers at the end, she was the most compelling at that point. When she was uh, thinking on her feet and responding there, that showed a very key intellect. Now, I don't think she's completely in the top tier of candidates, those those three that are really vying it out at this stage. Which is going to be Sunak, Rishi Sunak, Trust. Uh, Liz Truss and Penny Morden. They're the three right. who have the most backers at this stage. But I think in terms of the wild cards, Kemi is definitely up there, yeah. perhaps right right behind there in, mm. in, in, in terms of those uh, declared backers. Although, interestingly, only four candidates yesterday had uh, 20 or more public backers. Eight got through with 20 nominations, but that was with people who weren't publicly backing those campaigns. Now, this... move on to how today is going to play out. Well, shortly we're going to see the official launch of Penny Mordaunt's campaign. That's at 10.30 this morning. And then this morning within Parliament behind closed doors, the so-called 92 group of more conservative conservative MPs, that's conservative with a small c, uh, they'll host their hustings. Uh, and then at midday, Prime Minister's questions as Boris Johnson faces Sir Keir Starmer for the penultimate ever time across those dispatch boxes. Then, after lunch and more frantic campaigning within Parliament, the first official round of voting begins. Tory MPs will troop through to the committee room corridor in the Palace of Westminster, casting their votes between 1.30 and 3.30 this afternoon. Any candidate with more than 30 backers will proceed to tomorrow's round of voting. And we'll learn exactly who's moving forwards in the contest at 5pm, with those results being announced by 1922 committee chairman 
Sir Graham Brady. And then with barely a chance to catch their breath, the remaining candidates, those who have secured more than 30 votes today, then dive into a further private 1922 committee hustings. And then tomorrow, as MPs vote again, the lowest ranking candidate will be eliminated. It's important to note here that it's unlikely we'll get to our final two candidates, those who go out to our wider party membership ballot, by tomorrow. There'll be further ballots of MPs until enough candidates are either eliminated or drop out in order to get to those final two. And that's the process of this race. It's technical and rapid, but crucially important. At 5pm today, we'll learn who has made it through. Sunak there launching his campaign yesterday. Well, one of those high-profile backers of Rishi Sunak's campaign is the former chief whip turned COVID rebel, Mark Harper. Uh, welcome to the programme, Mark. I suppose, first of all, what attracted you, Tom, to Rishi Sunak? Why are you backing the former Chancellor's campaign? Well, uh, Tom, people that listen to the show will know that I've, for, for a, a while now was very clear about why I felt Boris Johnson needed to go um, and I think Rishi Sunak will be a breath of fresh air. He's going to restore trust I think to the way government is run. I think he's got very sound solid economic policies as you just heard there in that clip about being honest with people about the challenges facing us uh, and I think he appeals to voters across the whole United Kingdom. Leave voters, remain voters, uh, people in the north, people in the south to help bring the United Kingdom together. So that's why I'm backing him. Um, and I came out and declared for him uh, last Friday when he announced his campaign. And I'm very happy to be going out on the airwaves and talking to you this morning to, to explain why. It's interesting listening to this pitch about being sort of this fresh face, relatively unsullied and all the rest of it. Because, of course, Rishi Sunak has been at the centre of government policy for the last two and a half years. Would he really represent a change from those years, as he has been uh, really at the core of Downing Street, at the core of the economic policy, at the core of the last government's political operation? Well, look, I think on, on the change front, it's going to be about style and about honesty and integrity. On economic policy, you know, I'm very happy to, and I think he's very, he's very happy to defend the decisions he's made over the last couple of years. I mean, we've had a one in a 300 year economic shock with the global pandemic. I'm incredibly proud of the pace and the scope of the package that he rolled out with furlough and all of the support to the hospitality uh, and leisure sector that was absolutely pummeled by uh, COVID. You mentioned I was chair of the COVID recovery group. Rishi Sunak was the strongest supporter in government of taking balanced decisions that dealt with the threat from COVID, but also recognised that you had to keep the economy functioning and all of the other risks. Uh, and I felt very um, comforted when I was chair of the COVID recovery group, <clears throat> that he was making those arguments uh, inside government. And I think he's the, the only candidate that's laying out a really serious pitch about dealing with inflation, getting taxes down. And you heard in his clip, it's when, uh, not if, but you can't roll out massive unfunded tax cuts and massive spending pledges and remain credible. And the Conservative Party has taken a long time to establish economic credibility. And I don't want us to lightly throw that away. 
Alright, it's a bit noisy outside of Parliament. Here's another another one. This is the probably the last one for the minute.
historically, which thinks like me, we're one of the greatest nations in the world. That package for me, uh, uh, when I eventually sat down and went through it all, was overwhelming. Uh, and it, I think it's overwhelming too for uh, for the uh, party in the country. And I hope it will be for the party in the house. All right, there you go. See, I, I don't really know very much about Penny Mordant. Um, I'm going to have to do a little bit of research, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of material um, readily available along the way if she gets through. Uh, Liz Truss is a bit of a nightmare. So Rishi Sunak and Penny Mordant on a, on a joint ticket maybe in the end. I don't know how that would work internally. They must have worked together at some point. Um, because he was, he was Chancellor and she was Business Secretary or whatever it's called now. Hi, Woody. Well, welcome to the uh, the room. Thanks for coming in. Uh, I'm just working my way through uh, some BitChute clips. It's going to be a busy day for the Tories again. And uh, well, I'll do another show later on, but I'll see if there's anything else on, uh, on the GB News channel. It's worth playing anything about Sri Lanka or... It's mostly Tory party politics. But I'll just have a quick look and see if there's anything else. That's all the most recent stuff. There's a Tom Tugan hat clip here, I think. Gavin Williamson, 
one of the great organisers yeah. of the Conservative Party, former Chief Whip, of course. So where is uh, Gavin Williamson now? Where is we, he? We, physically, yeah. in the world. I mean, um, is, is he still an MP? He is still an MP. He's right. not, he hasn't been in the Cabinet uh, since he uh, resigned as Education Secretary. Yeah. Um, but he is uh, well known for uh, reading the runes, doing the numbers, and crucially organising in terms of these campaigns. So the fact that such a competent organiser is behind Rishi Sunak uh, does uh, lend the, the analysis to the fact that this is Rishi Sunak's race to lose amongst MPs. I did. Well, there you go. Uh, I think he's probably going to win it, Rishi Sunak. But uh, he, could still, he could still throw up a surprise or two along the way. He's David Meller. This is the last one. What is your problem with Kemi Badnock then? I haven't got a problem with Kemi Badnock. I'm sure she's very good. I just think it's ludicrous for someone who's never been in the cabinet to stand for leader of the Conservative Party. So that applies to Tom Tugendhat as well? Yeah, of course. So what's the problem with that? I mean, surely that might actually help. And It doesn't help the Conservative Party that their divisions are yet again paraded across the press. I think they, you know, the Conservative Party is supposed to be and, and, you know, the, the old joke is coming back. You know, are you a member of an organised political party? No, I'm a conservative. <laughs> and basically what they need to do is to have had a much smaller, more disciplined race and got on with it. As it is, there are people who are running. Who You know, it's a bit like a, a youth team player at Charlton Athletic suddenly saying he should be the captain of England. It's ridiculous. But do you think the fact that this has been such a truncated um, series of early votes is, is to do that exactly that, to try and stop this blue-on-blue bloodletting? Well, it hasn't been truncated in one sense. Yes, you know, having these, having these uh, races uh, uh, each day and getting rid of people on quite a high threshold. But why, why shouldn't there be a threshold of 30 MPs uh, when they've got to get far more to win? But the depressing thing is, look, there's a closely guarded secret here. Someone, I'm sure, watching this program will know the answer. Please tell us, what is the membership of the Conservative Party these days? Now, in the good old days, as I define my time in politics, it used to be at least half a million, maybe more. It's, I mean, we've been talking about it, and it's thought to be around sixty to 80,000. Is that all? Yes, wow. exactly. And then you get all the golden oldies, you know, the sort of people who deplore the death of Queen Victoria. And basically, the trouble is, once you get to the last two and you give them the vote, mm -hmm. you can be absolutely certain it'll be the most right-wing one that will get it. And the question has to be, is the most right-wing person, given they're all right-wing in different shades, is that going to be the right person? And so, who is, so who is the most right-wing? Well, I would have thought that Truss would put herself forward. as the She's the most right-wing, but yeah. who, who would be the best person, do you think? Well, I mean, look, if you can discount all this undesirable stuff about, you know, being the kept man of his father-in-law, I think Rishi Sunak would be the best. Because, you see, look, what offends me is I had a spell, I had, I had a spell as Chief Secretary of the Treasury, and it's grown-up economics. To hear these people talk about tax cuts, as if a tax cut is like putting 10p on the amount of money you pay on a pension or whatever, they don't seem to realise that a tax cut is the reward you offer a community when they have agreed to spend less money, and so there is more public money that can then be released to the community.
Right, that's, that's pretty much it. I think I've been through all the I've been through all the GB news clips. I'm gonna have a look on YouTube for for something about Sri Lanka. So I want to catch up on that as well. So. Some excitement going on, and all that much, and some tear gas being used on the crowd. See if I can find Sky News on here. Where's the BBC? President Gotabaya Rajapaksa has left the country along with members of his family. It follows months of mass protests over the economic crisis the island is in. His formal resignation is expected to be announced possibly within the next half hour. The BBC understands the president's military jet has landed in Mali, the capital of the Maldives. He'd been in hiding after protesters stormed his residence on Saturday. Our South Asia correspondent, Rajini Vaidyanathan, sends this report from Colombo. Many Sri Lankans feel that leaving is their only option. In a crisis defined by endless waits, hundreds queue for passports. A chance to leave their troubled homeland in search of something better. Many trying to make it to the Middle East. Like Vasana, who's hoping she'll find work as a cleaner to support her six-year-old. How do you feel about wanting to leave Sri Lanka? Your heart is in Sri Lanka. She says she's going because she's struggling to even get food. And that's one of the reasons why she's trying to find work in Kuwait. Me applying to go to UK. We don't see any future. So that's, that's basically we want to move on this country. For our kids, not for us. There's been a lot of pressure for yeah. President Rajapaksa to yes. step down. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you vote for him? Actually, we vote for him. Yeah. We vote for him and we never expected this. Actually, we thought he's our saviour. And it's not just these crowds who are trying to leave the country. The very people who are blamed for creating this economic crisis, President Gotabaya Rajapaksa and his family members, are also trying to flee the island. This video is believed to have been recorded at the airport as former finance minister Basil Rajapaksa was stopped at immigration. He finally left, said to be heading to America. His brother, President Gotabaya Rajapaksa, has now also fled. A ruthless politician, accused of brutality and corruption, part of a family dynasty, which has ruled Sri Lanka for decades. Once popular, now parodied, Gotabaya Rajapaksa is blamed for the country's economic woes. He's brought this country to its knees. 
We have no food to eat. We have no fuel. The basic, the basic human necessities are missing. And that's thanks to these people and this one family which has been basically draining all the sources of income that we have. Lining up for a peek inside the presidential palace. Days after Gotabaya Rajapaksa fled his home, he's now left the country. Regina Vaidyanathan, BBC News, Colombo. Well, let's talk to Ambarasan Thirajan, who's live for us in Colombo. And uh, there must be many questions, Ambarasan, about how he was able to leave. The Sri Lankan Air Force issued a statement a short while ago saying that as an executive president, he had the authority to use a military plane, and which he used to land in the capital of the Maldives, Malay, last night. And there are questions how he was allowed to go, but then immigration authorities were saying that as they cannot stop a president, but they can stop anyone else. But now, the protest site behind me, you know, they're full of people. People have been coming since morning after hearing the news that Mr. Rajapaksha has already left the country. As of now, you don't have a president for this country and various political leaders, including Prime Minister Ranil Vikramasinghe, are trying to find out what steps can be taken, how the government can be restored. And the main road along this uh, golf face screen where you see hundreds of people have been coming and in the last few minutes, we also hear that protesters have gone to the residence of the Prime Minister and the police were using batons to disperse them. So there could be more violence today in case if uh, the political change is not acceptable to the protesters behind me. And there are also chances of police imposing a curfew, but this needs to be confirmed. But at the moment, the protesters behind me, they are celebrating. Mm. And uh, although he has already left the country, uh the formal resignation of President Gotabaya Rajapaksa hasn't been received yet, but we are expecting that might be quite soon. He had announced that he would step down by today, that's Wednesday, after huge crowds stormed his official residence just about 100 metres from where I am standing now. But there was a lot of speculation about whether he submitted this resignation letter or not, because only after he resigns, the Prime Minister can take over as the President. But we still don't know whether the letter has been given or officially when this will be released. On various reports suggest that Mr. Rajapaksha might go to a third country. He may not stay in the Maldives itself. But what brought these people is the issue of cost of living, which is affecting you know many countries around the world. That started as a protest against escalating prices and the allegations of mismanagement of the economy. Now, that has forced the President Rajapaksha to step down. The previous Prime Minister, his elder brother, was also forced to resign in April. And the current Prime Minister, we don't know how long he is going to stay in power. So this is causing a lot of political instability, making it difficult for the country to ask for international assistance to come out of this crisis. And Barrison, in a very lively Colombo, thank you very much. And Barrison, Ethirajan. Okay, that actually is the last one I'm going to play. Uh, that's enough. I've caught up on Sri Lanka now. So there's going to be a, a result of a vote at about now, as we discussed last night in tomorrow night. Thank you, Rita. Uh, last week in the Netherlands, Klaus Schwab's golden pinup boy, Prime Minister Mark Rutte, is busy. Let's not do that. Let's just finish it off. So there's going to be a 
result of a vote at five o'clock, there'll be Prime Minister's questions to cover as well. So there's plenty to cover at five o'clock. So I'll, I'll probably be back then uh, with another live stream, maybe six, when everything's settled down and there's, there's some clips to play. I'll give them, give them time to actually sort themselves out. Um, there'll be plenty of GB News coverage and plenty of BBC coverage. So I'll, I'll use that mostly. Maybe a bit of Sky as well. And uh, I'll see if I can find another couple of sources. Maybe, well, I'll talk. I'll have a look at the Telegraph. I'll see if there's anything on the Daily Telegraph website this afternoon. I'll include some of that as well. If there's anything worth including. Well, that's enough for now. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you a bit later.